like campaign had the most votes of um, anyone um, for a student body president ever in school history. And I became wow. student body president. You are now listening to the living numbers and Tony rambles, 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 and the living numbers podcast. All right. This is the living numbers podcast. And I am your host, Tony rambles back with another amazing episode for you all. First, you know, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. I hit over a thousand downloads. I was checking my stuff. I'm like, hold on, wait a second. There's more than a thousand there. You know, that's a milestone. So I could not have done it without you all, the amazing people. And you know, have I have an amazing guest here, uh, Mr. Donald C. Kelly, the sales evangelist. I can't do it like you. You got to give it to us one time, one time. Uh, but you know, when I have someone on, I got to give them the best intro that I can possibly do. Of course, y'all know we got to do the housekeeping. Like, subscribe, uh, download, um, share, follow me on socials, the Living Numbers Podcast. You know where I am. Here we go. Hailing from somewhere in Jamaica, <laughs> he earned his bachelor's degree in business management and marketing from BYU, go Cougars where he led those Cougars as student body president. Very nice. After leaving BYU, he had numerous sales jobs and eventually founded the Sales Evangelist, which is his created position. More on that later. In the name of his company, where he trains organizations in business development. He serves as an adjunct professor at his alma mater and wait for it. He has a podcast called The Sales Evangelist. He believes in keeping sales simple and mastering the fundamentals. People, person, salesman, Mr. Orientation himself. I present the Donald C. Kelly, say hello to the people. My man, I love it. Uh, I love that <laughs> intro. I, I mean, it seems like you've been working on that for a minute. Um, and as you share, it's Donald C. Kelly, the sales evangelist. And uh, I'm out here evangelizing, man. Sales doesn't have to be bad. Doesn't have to be difficult. We can fix that. And that's what we do. We teach people how to make it simple and easy and that it doesn't have to be confusing. And it's fun. Man, I'm I'm glad you you said that because obviously your background is in sales. Sales is what you do, uh, but there's so much more to to people, and I like to give that other side, that background, that that extra, you know, that mm. people don't always get with with other shows or with other kinds of interviews. So obviously, we have to start at the beginning. So our first number here. And you might know where I'm going based on this first piece. Three world records set in 2008, the Olympics. <laughs> the same boat from you Jamaica. Boy, so you have this great story about how you started as a salesperson, as a kid back in Jamaica. So yeah. start there for us and uh, floor is yours. Yeah, dude. So um, uh, I grew up in Jamaica, moved to the U.S. when I was nine. But when you're a kid in Jamaica, like Jamaica's economy is not like the, you know, a world class economy. It is still classified in, in many ways as a third world country. So but one of the amazing things that Jamaica has is its people. So one of the big, biggest export is just that people will gain a, like just a phenomenal education. Then they go to a place like the U.K. or Canada or, or the U.S., to pursue jobs and so forth. So then now folks who are, since the market isn't like totally hot with like a bunch of jobs, I mean, what are people going to do? You need to survive, right? So people will find unique ways. They will sell stuff. I mean, folks are there, still need products. You need food, you need clothes. So um, I always saw people who, you know, became businessmen. Um, I didn't see that as sales. I just saw it as, you know, people surviving, right? Um, and and that prompted me, uh, you know, I just saw it throughout my life. So it prompted me like, bro, if you want money, this is what you're going to do. 
um, just sell something, right? And I started doing that in, you know, I remember we we had a little uh, a shop was what we called it. But, you know, some countries, they call it like a little tienda, a little store next to the house. And people would come and it's like a, you know, a small convenience store, essentially. And uh, as a kid, I was working in there. We would unload the, the groceries and supplies when we got them from the, you know, market. And then, you know, we, you know, we're, we sold in the shop, you know, required to be in there and help out. And so, you know, exchanging money, selling stuff wasn't that crazy. So when I wanted to get some change in the pocket again, I, I remember uh, my cousins had some, uh, they wanted me to climb to the top of the mango tree, get some mangoes once. And I was like, bro, I can do that and sell the mangoes. I see people selling that stuff. Um, and there's a, a, another shop across the streets, competitors of ours, but theirs were bigger and they had toys as well. Um, and I remember it was Christmas time and there's this dude, a ninja on a bike. Um, and I was like, I want that. And uh, so I had to get some hustle on <laughs> and I try to get, you know, mangoes and sell that. And I try to get cookies and put them in baggies and try to sell that. And, um, you know, I didn't make enough money to buy the toy. But I did get that first width of selling that, you know, mm. what I can do and how you can do it. And I learned a lot from that experience, which then led me to eventually um, coming down the path of like, all right, well, I know I want to do this later on. So, I, I mean, I, I, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Um, and when I came to the States, similar idea, you know, we weren't like wealthy, we were poor and uh Mom worked those multiple jobs um, or, you know, just did her hustle. And I saw one of the things that we can do to be successful was we need, I needed to do stuff on the side. So I would uh, do like summer jobs or weekend jobs and try to do like yard work and create my own little business and use Microsoft Word and create like a little company of my buddies. And um, and that's just like the idea of being a businessman um, selling. Mm. And it, it stuck with me all the way to college where I eventually did professional selling um, and then gradually led to the sales evangelist. So answering the question about like that, that idea, that's where, that's when I first got my start in Jamaica, selling the mangoes underneath the mango tree in the front yard or attempting to, and also some cookies, <laughs> which I attempted to sell, but I think I probably ate more than I ever, uh, <laughs> the, the, the shelf. <laughs> did your parents, ever push entrepreneurship like hey you got to have your own business you got to be your own boss because i know right now there's a huge push for doing your own thing i think i think a lot more now than it has been recently because i'm 33 mm -hmm. and i don't feel like owning your own business was pushed as much as like when i was 23 right now i think maybe COVID was the thing that kind of prompted people to go hey know your value, have your own business. So was that something that your parents were preaching to you, pushing to you from an early age, or did they just kind of just show it and you picked up on it? Yeah, it was more showing it and um, never verbally articulated because it's, so my dad was a little bit more successful in Jamaica and my mom and him separated when I was a kid, but I, I didn't know much about what my mom did, but she had a, she started at a shop as well. My dad had gotten one for her um early on and she started that but didn't last doing it long um i actually did a podcast episode with her on and she talked about her sales experience um wow. you know it's kind of cool but um with uh but with my dad though he was uh successful in spanish town and people knew him they knew donald kelly donnie kelly so it was like um it it it, it just gave me this you know, the the idea was like one day I will inherit the empire, right? <laughs> that I was gonna, um, you know, do that. Um, and if not, it was ingrained in me through his, you know, the the folklore of who my dad um, is, <laughs> so that I was going to, you know, do that as well. I, I that's my path. I was going to be an entrepreneur, and that's the early signs and early times of um, how that the entrepreneurship bug like really started to come into my into my mind um but through the example i would say but never vocally saying that's what i have to do it's amazing how we can learn from those examples even when nothing is ever said and a lot of times what happens is they'll say stuff you know we we're both parents so we yeah. can attest sometimes you will say stuff but the example is not always the same as what you're saying now hopefully you know, we've learned from that, but it's amazing how that happens with parents where they just kind of show you the way. Like my dad yeah. never told me 
like, hey, when bill collectors call, just don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's what I saw. So when yeah. I was at that point in life where I wasn't making enough money, but stuff still had to be paid, I knew how to avoid those calls. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you so got to do what you got to do, right? <laughs> hey, man, I'm glad I don't have to dodge bill collectors now. I'm I like, know, hey, right? just take the money. Get out of my hair. Get away from Go. me. Get, get, get. Uh, so... <laughs> As I was digging through your background, yeah, uh, I saw a BYU, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. um, but also the word evangelist comes from, you know, a, a spiritual or religious background. So what was that like growing up in your home? Was it like church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, yeah. you know, some, some homes be, uh, so how was that like in your home and your background? So the evangelist side, I I had an affinity for so my two things that I really loved. Um, Tony was like, I love the idea of business and I love the idea of speaking. I love the stage. Um, and so it so but the, the sales evangelist though, in its like the development, it wasn't a spiritual thing at all. Mm. Um however, the um there's some roots that go back. So let's, let's go into this. And I think I've spoken about this, like maybe once on another podcast before. So you, you have some good questions here going deep. So I, in Jamaica as a, it's a very predominant Christian country, like, you know, beliefs and your, the parents and grandparents and so forth will go to church. But as kids, you're going to go to church too. But sometimes it wasn't like the parents were fully active in church, but they would send the kids so that's what's mm. the case with me. My aunt went to church, but then everybody else knows, like, if you're going to be a good kid, you got to send, you know, good people are going to send your kid to church. So they'll send us to church, you know, go to church as a kid. And that makes them, I guess, they chill at home and, and you know, we can uh, get an example the house, <laughs> the house to themselves. Right. But um, but it was uh, it was in, ingrained in us. But I remember going to church, Tony, and I remember we would come home. And one of the things that I just saw that I am fortunate that I have was this like vivid imagination and this idea that I could do stuff if I, you know, if, if somebody's doing it, then screw it. Why can't I do it as well? And I remember watching a preacher and so forth up there, and I would just see him. And I remember coming home, my cousin, um, uh, we had, uh, they lived with uh, the with our aunt when, you know, in, in Jamaica there at this, uh, this big house. And um, she had dolls. So we'd get her dolls and put them on a the back veranda, the back porch. And uh, we had this little wall area and I would stand up there and uh, and preach <laughs> to the dolls and, to you know, the, the, the stuffed animals. And I we had a bicycle um, stick, like a bicycle, you know, the bicycle handles like on those old BMX. It was like mm-hmm. um, the grip was broken off and we had out on a stick. So that was my mic. And I remember we would set up this church like you know, just like this idea, we would set it up, not like, you know, just pretend it's there. We would get like little buckets or rocks or whatever and put these dolls on them and little teddy bears. And we would set up the church and have the aisles. And I remember going up and down the aisle and just like speaking and being on a stage. And I just loved that idea. Um, Wow. But, uh, and this was like, you know, like say six and seven um, years old. And the, so that notion like made me feel that, uh, and I guess it, the idea again, that I was invinci- invincible in a sense, like if you want something, just do it. Um, so with my dad, seeing him successful in Jamaica, it prompted me like, if he's successful, of course, I'm going to be successful someday. So I guess doing these things, I didn't have the notion that it wasn't going to work. It was because I saw what he did. Therefore, I could do that as well. It's in, ingrained in me in, in, in some in, in some in, in some way. So mm. that's how that evangelist idea was early on, that spawning of speaking. And it wasn't so much evangelist like the preaching sense, but evangelist like I love to um, amplify a message per se. Mm. I love the idea of speaking. So fast forward in high school now and in the States, I was always that in middle school, I was always wanted to do theater and like the drama and TV and the acting stuff. And then... um in high school, I did speech and debate, and there was a performance called interpretation, and I did that, and I was able to go to New York mm. to the World Championships of, you know, like, um, in, in, you know, speaking oh. stuff, and then eventually the Toastmasters, which eventually, eventually, then you know, the podcast was like right around right around that same time, 
And in college, we read a book by a guy named Guy Kawasaki. Um, he was one of Apple's, he was Apple's chief evangelist. And in this book, The Art of the Start, that was his title. And I was like, bro, this is cool. The only time I ever heard that was like with Billy Graham or people in church, like yeah. evangelists. And I was like, man, but just think about that term. It's like such mm -hmm. a vivid imagery, like an evangelist powerful. out. Yeah. And they're just like, they're going to share this message and they're going to go and preach it. And it's just, like you said, powerful. So then now when I got into technology sales, I told, I remember I was going to, went to this event. This was the same iPad. This is my iPad, like two that I have here on my desk. Uh, it's like not really used much as you can see. Um, but um, this thing from back in 2010, so heavy compared to the other ones now, wow. uh, but it was um, this case, just like this, Tony, I got up on the bar stools at a networking event and I said, um, I'm the technology evangelist. I've been to the mountaintop and I've brought back great technology that's going to help your business to succeed. And I was on this. Oh, like, no, time out, time out. No, you got to say it like you did it when you were in that bar. You got to go for it. I got my kids sleeping back behind. In the room oh, okay, never mind, never mind. I already know how that so, goes. But um, I was like, you know, but I got up and I was like, you know, my name is Donald Kelly. I'm with uh, it was a performance data and I'm the te a technology evangelist. We've been to the mountaintop. We saw the, you know, the challenges that you're facing and our business can help solve it. And Tony, after I'd said this, like so many people had came up and started talking to me because everyone else at the networking event was like, I'm a, prof I'm a account executive. I work with the life insurance. I do this stuff, but I stood out and was different. So I was like, change my business card. So when I got back to the office and they were doing business cards again, I said, change it to technology evangelist. So thanks to Guy Kawasaki. Um, and the homage goes back to, again, my roots with this notion, again, being that performer. Um, so then when, when I was doing a podcast and I really started doing more sales and started seeing, you know, a, a, a sliver of success and what was working, I always was talking about it. And one of my buddies was like, man, you're like a, an evangelist. And I was like, yeah, um, that's the title I actually had, the technology evangelist. Um, and we, it's like, you're like a sales evangelist. And we put that together and that's where it came from. So the sales evangelist, but the sales evangelist, the, the confidence and the, um, the, the, uh, the stage presence and so forth uh, that I've mm. gained with the podcast and with the speaking and the training that I do, I give homage to that going to church as a kid and mimicking that. And I think a lot of performers do that too. You see the same thing with like James Brown and some of these other, um, you know, performers, they've all gone to church and they see that that preacher in, in a, in historical black churches, they're just like a, they're a figure. Right. And, you know, yeah. there's, it's a, in some cases, a lot of entertainment um, with that, yep. but um, that's where I got that little oomph from, but the sales evangelist in itself wasn't anything to do with a spiritual thing, but the, the skill set that I got from church and mimicking yeah. church was able to help me throughout my life and career. Um, and thus being now, we evangelize the message of effective selling um, to millions, thousands of people um, with our podcast. So. Oh, millions. Speak that. There you go. <laughs> Speak there it you go. To, to millions. Um, we will, we will um, reach millions. That's uh, one of our big vision. Um, my goal um, is to be, our goal is to be the number one sales education organization in the world um, in 10 years and to be uh, a $1 billion organization um, within that 10 year period. So we got a lot of work that we're doing. So that's what I'm talking that's about. That's you got to go big, about. right? <laughs> yes, sir. You already said it. If somebody else did it, why can't I do it? Right. Somebody's exactly. doing it right now. Why, why yeah. can't you be next? Yeah. It's funny. Um, because as you were talking about performing and that kind of thing, I was going to ask, like, did you do any theater? Like, had you ever been interested? Have you ever done improv? Have you tried to look into or dabble in stuff like, not like speeches, right? Like that kind of thing, but actual performing art. Have you mm -hmm. ever, have you looked into it like in your adult life? Good question. So high school, yeah, because the school I went to was a performing arts school. Um, so there was uh, areas where theater, music, dance, uh, communication and visual arts. And I did communication. So it was, again, like speech and debate and you're, um, you're performing and video production, like acting. <laughs> Some of my friends, they uh, created a movie and they had me as an actor um, in it um, uh, that was like uh, in, in high school. And um, it was and I've it gave me a little bit of that taste and I was like, I love this. I want to do more of it. 
And it was the three things I wanted to do was like, could I do acting? Um, it was law or business. And business was like the most, um, it made most sense. Law was good, but I, again, I think it was this homage that I had towards business because I did the debate stuff that I, and then um, I did a mission with my church and I, it was like a lot of like, I served in some leadership capacity in that. And I was, I loved the executive side of, you know, operations. And I was like, I, it's business. Um, and then specifically sales um, because of my, the, the creative side, like the marketing and the quote unquote evangelizing. So sales became that, that avenue. But um, prior to COVID, my wife and I, she always wanted me to do do stuff because I did um, uh, Toastmasters and I performed and, you know, it's pretty much like a performance, right? Um, and I did the speeches um, with Toastmasters and I got in 2016, went to the world championship of public speaking, went to the semifinals round. So I was like the top 30 speakers in the world and it was pretty significant. Um, and I... I've uh, I had a goal to be number one in the world, and I, uh, you know, since looked to do it different ways um, through, mm-hmm. um, you know, the business and to, through some speaking with that we do, and um, yeah, but then I we had looked at community theater because she really wanted me to to consider it, um, doing it on the side, um, and uh, but I and I've done improv in college uh, or I tried out and mm-hmm. made it some final rounds. Uh, um, couple times but it's it's not something that i have um done further but it's uh the community theater side i mean if i were to say like there's a part of me that still craves the idea of the silver screen mm. and to act i would say yeah there's a part is, is it how big of that is that desire right now right not, you know not huge um because of the the mission that we're on but it's something that i I hope to do so. Uh, uh, maybe I can just get uh, rich enough that I can just ca- get a cameo in a movie. <laughs> there we go. Because I, I I hear it. I hear it. I see it. And when I met you, I, it, it kind of felt like we were already friends. Yeah. You know. And so <laughs> when we shook hands and just the way you you greeted me, so like I'm not saying that that was theater, but. Mm-hmm. You have like this presence about you that's inviting, I would say. And that kind of stuff, I think, you know, works, you know, for the silver screen, you know, for being able to to act and do all those things. And I can I can hear it. You know. You know, in your voice, like, yeah, yeah, you know, maybe someday, <laughs> you know, it's, it's still there. I still got a little trick up my sleeve. Uh, <laughs> our next number, yeah. which is 1,622, which is the number of international students that BYU has. Now, mm-hmm. I think that that number was from uh, 2017. Like Mm -hmm. actually came from other countries. And so I thought that was applicable because you're from Jamaica. Yeah. And so I saw BYU. I was like, huh, isn't that like a a religious school? Right. Because I didn't know all of this about your background until I started doing some digging. (laughs) So it kind of makes sense now. uh, But also you have all of this leadership experience there, too. Mm -hmm. So how did you get to BYU? And then how did you become you know, the leader, you know, school president, basically. Yeah. So there's, uh, there are several campuses for BYU. Um, the, there's a main campus in Provo, um, Utah. And the second campus is in Rexburg, Idaho. And there's a third one in Hawaii, um, Lahia, Hawaii. Um, and I got a chance to, I went to the Idaho campus um, and uh, student body population. There's a little bit smaller than Provo. I think third, Provo was like 30,000. BYU-Idaho was mm-hmm. like pushing like 16, 15, 16,000. Um, and, uh, and now it's grown. Actually, I think now they have a little bit more because of they, they have a unique track system. So it's, it's kind of close to rivaling uh, Provo numbers. So it's a lot more students have the opportunity to attend these universities. Um, so, but with this, I... Um, how did I end up there? So the Brigham Young University is a, a affiliation with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, mm-hmm. And I did, uh, and as, as a, I joined the church when I was 14, I started going to church. Um, I, you know, grew up with the, you know, the Baptist influence um, and Protestant, and then um, started going to a Pentecostal church with a buddy of mine. 
he was like an older brother. Um, he was in his, tw- uh, you know, twenties or whatnot. And he got saved and started bringing me to church with them as like a mm. you know, 11 year old, uh, 12 year old. And I was like, okay, this is good. But you know, it's, it's church again. I was like, I want to go play, bro. Um, and yes, uh, <laughs> when you go to the, like Pentecostal church, man, you you know Pentecostal church is like, yeah, your Sunday is like all day. Then Sunday night, and then Friday night, and then Bible yep. study Wednesday. So, <laughs> yep, <laughs> I knew it, like, bro. What am I gonna play? What am I gonna do anything? Um, but it was um. It did. It did spur like stuff that I, you know, grew from from my early day, early years mm-hmm. in Jamaica, and um, then it led me to, um, you know, we, years he had moved away. So then I needed to get into a church, and I knew going to church was good. And my buddy mentioned, "Hey, you know, we do scouts mm-hmm. at our church, and you know, Tuesday night basketball. And we're at a National Junior Honor Society meeting." And I was like, um, thirteen. I was like, you know, it'd be good for me to get back into a church, and I started going. I, you know, felt it was good and right, and. Um, then, um, just kind of over time as I visited and went and learned about it, I was like, you know, this is where I want to plant roots. And my mom um, was supportive, said, whatever makes you happy, makes me happy. And she knew that I was reading the Bible and studying the scriptures and so forth. Mm. And, um, and she, it led me down that path. And then I did a mission trip and that's when I lived in Detroit actually for two years with a mission trip, um, in the three, one, three there. So, um, yes, sir. and then, uh, I have some, my mission, some Detroit stuff around here, somewhere around here. Uh, a lot of my Detroit. I got, hey, I got us covered right here. <laughs> there <covered>. you go. <laughs> um, and, um, then I, so that's so when I got done with the mission, I got accepted to the BYU-Idaho campus um, before mm. um, in like say 20, 2003. And I went on a mission trip 24 to 20, 2004, 2006, two years. And um, I deferred from school during that time. And mm-hmm. I remember reading about in the Provo campus, there was this guy, um, it was one of the newsletters that came out. He was a student body president and he looked like me. And I don't know about any of you, you know, when you look at Provo and Utah, there ain't a lot of people who look like Tony and me. It's just like, <laughs> it ain't a lot. And I was like, man, this brother did that. Like, how did he do that? And then I go back to my roots again. My dad did was, you know, did all right with the business and some of these things. And yeah. I was just like that vis- very visual person. So that if I, that's the case, I want to create that. I want to do that. So I made it in my mind. I said, I'm going to be student by the president. So one of my mission trip came back um, and went to school and I put it off, Tony. It was in my back of my brain. Um, thought about it, mm-hmm. thought about it. But then one of my friends, a junior year, my junior year, his senior year, one of my roommates, he ran for student body president. And uh, we all rallied and helped him out and got him, like, uh, you know, go out and pass that stuff. And he, you know, Hispanic uh, uh, dude, um, good friend of mine, John Diaz, big shout out. And he got, he became one of the vice presidents. He was one of the runner ups, mm-hmm. but he got vice presidency and he, that was good. And I was like, oh, yeah. I had, I had a goal to do this. So then the next year when it was like the, you know, my senior year, I was like, all right, this is it now. So I ran and I, um, I'm a marketer and a sales guy and an entertainer. So we went around to all the apartments and the key go to the girl's apartment because we did a lot of parties, right? At school. So we're the Florida kids out there. The ones, (laughs) these like, uh, these uh the uh the cultural individuals i'll say <laughs> there's a bunch of about you know a few of us that grew up here in miami and south florida and we went to school out there and we knew each other mm-hmm. from church um and we um we had parties and you know good parties and stuff like that and um and but we knew when we got people to the parties you go to the girls apartments you bring the flyers girls bring guys um so yep. when we we're running for student body president I went to two groups. I went to the marriage student housings. Um, and then I also went to the girls apartments um, and we entertained and um, the, it, it was crazy. I had, uh, they said that I had the most, my campaign had the most votes of um, anyone um, for a student body president ever in school history. And I became wow. student body president. Um, and my buddies, I mean, I give a, a goal for all my buddies. They all came around and rallied behind it. And I remember that guy. I can't much remember his name now. I have to go back and look at it. But he motivated me, inspired me, because I saw somebody that looked like me, and he did it. And again, the president idea, the law, because I was doing in college, in high school, did the, the speech and debate stuff. And I was like, this will look good on a resume. I want to do that. And I'm grateful, but I had a vision, and I did that. Um, and I'm grateful for my friends and for, I would say for God for helping me with all of that. So that's how those things came about. And that leadership bug 
always was with me with that. I was always like one of the uh, fortunate amongst my friends, ones that, that was leading the charge because I think it was a visionary mm -hmm. idea. Like people always want to, you know, do something with somebody that's a visionary um, or follow yep. a vision. Um, and um, so my friends, I was always, or my cousins and so forth, I was one trying to, you know, think about the, the let's create a, uh, make a clubhouse or whatnot. Let's go do this adventure. Yeah. Um, and let's go do this little business. Um, and uh, with that, I, I, and in scouting, I did that as well. When I was a scout, I became a senior patrol leader, then eventually assistant scoutmaster, and all of these things gave me these leadership things wow. when I was a teenager. Um, then I eventually got my Eagle Scout. Um, got some of my scout stuff over here right now in the office here. Um, and then I got to the point where you know those all these things just started compounding, right? So then mm -hmm. with my, the mission experience is about 120 missionaries that were there. And there's a mission president, his wife, like the leaders. Um, and so all of these like 19 and 18 year olds, and they have like, um, you know, like district leaders, which is like over, you know, mission over like maybe 10 missionaries. Then you have zone mm -hmm. leaders, which is probably over like, you know, 40 missionaries. And then you have assistance to the president, which is over all of the, you know, 120 and I was fortunate to be able to serve in all of those roles and as a assistant to the president. So I did a, with a lot of leadership responsibility, we, you know, taking care of missionaries, picking them at the airport and, and sending them off and, and all of these things. And then, and so now with my college experience as well, being a student by the president, all of these things just kept compounding on top of each other. And I'm fortunate for that. Um, which when I came to the point where I wanted to run the business and to start a business, I was able to have that leadership responsibility and experience. And in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the late ministry, so no one get paid. So you're called mm. and you serve, and it's not like you glamour or you vote or run for like a leadership position. Right. But I served as a, in the local congregation. I was basically the pastor, the bishop of that congregation. As a like 30-year-old, I was over a congregation of 100, of 60 um, folks and, you know, helping with mm. like preparing, overseeing the organizations and you know, doing like, um, you didn't do all, like, all the sermons, but you have other members that speak and other leaders that speak on Sundays. But all of those things, again, led to, towards that. So all these leadership things. So I served for six, yeah. five years um, for the bishop, the bishop wow. role. Um, and uh, just in 2020, I was released um, from that position. Somebody else was called to it. And, you know, again, it's, you're not paid for that. It's just you're serving God in your community. Um, while I was still running, starting the TSC. So it was both happened at the same time. It was crazy how that happened. Um, and yeah, so that was a long-winded answer to that question. Um, so on the outside of my business, I was, it was high, you know heavily involved with the church, but also in my business, um, I am, you know, the, those leadership skills was able to translate and help me with leading team and motivating and, and um, working with, uh, you know, organizations and, and events and, and so forth. I was, as you were talking, like so many things were just popping into my mind, right? And so I'll start with, as a teacher, right? I obviously have the experience that I can help bring these kids along, right? These are high mm -hmm. school kids, 14, 15, all the way up to 19, sometimes 20 years old, right? If you, if you didn't get it all the first time around and I, I'm, uh, a sponsor of a club and so i go we're starting to have interest meetings and all that kind of stuff now and i go okay why do you why are you in key club right i have all of my, um, uh, my officers the up there a little bit yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah pull up i'm the key club sponsor at elkins High let's School. go <laughs> <laughs> so i'm like why are you in key club why are you in key club and all of the answers and it just like i'm not gonna say it frustrated me but it kind of Okay, yeah, I just use frustrated for lack of a better word. All of the answers were just about uh, getting hours. It was about resume. I'm like, does anybody care about the community around here? Like helping people. And so as you were talking, like all the stuff that you were 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 experiencing was because you wanted to you wanted to help, right? You wanted mm -hmm. to be a leader. You wanted that responsibility. It wasn't about, you know, I want to be president just so people could call me president. I'm sure you had a list of things like, okay, I want to be president because, and yeah. so it's always important to have these goals in mind, but to keep the people first. Okay. Before whatever job, whatever role, if you keep the people first, 
then like you said, you had all these people back you. You had all of these people vote for you and you literally broke records for how many people voted for a class president. But it was about the people. You said, hey, we went to the mm. married people first. Then we went to the women first. <laughs> we knew the women would bring the guys. <laughs> right? So, man, if any, whoever's listening to this at any time, keep the people first. And yeah. like things will continue to happen for you. And my question now, because you talked about all of this leadership experience, how do you handle it? And I say that from the standpoint of being a leader is a lot of responsibility, especially when there's a lot of people that you have to lead, right? Mm. Even if it's one, you know, you still have influence, you know, over these people. So how do you kind of keep, I don't know, keep yourself level-headed, keep yourself from, you know, maybe boiling over and, and getting having to get too tough for you? How did how did you balance that and maybe compartmentalize these different leadership roles? Yeah. And I think one of the, it's a great question. One of the things that I was fortunate that, um, the, you know, there's a lot of structure in like the, the church, there's like handbooks and, you know, so forth, but that those only give you so much, right. Um, mm-hmm. You have to rely on the Lord and prayer and so forth. But the other pieces then is the organization itself. Um, and like having, um, there's a there's a a, a group a, a a president or women a leader over all the women, um, and then you have a guy that's over the men like the men's ministry, um, and there so there's elders quorums and the women uh, some relief society and you have somebody that's over the youth like the young women and the young men, um, those are different leaders and they have like uh, counselors so to speak, and then you have someone that's over the the children of primary so this all forms a council or a congregation council. Um, where the bishop leads that, um, and you know they they report to the bishop and come to the bishop for guidance. And I had two counselors, so there was a lot of delegation um, where you have mm. to you know delegate. And um, I had an executive assistant to help with you know my time at the church and scheduling meetings with folks and you know, so forth. Um, and then, um, but those leaders, we you you delegate and you empower them. And I met one on one with each of the leaders. And I think one of the key critical pieces when it comes towards any leadership role is you need to make sure people have clear understanding of their responsibilities and what mm-hmm. is required of them, and then empowering them, believing in them. And that required me to do one on one once a month with individuals, so I can know help them understand where they were and where they need to go, and then. My uh, my uh, counselors that were working with me, their their job was also to help um, facilitate. So they had certain groups that they were over, like maybe they were over the, the youth ministry or whatnot or the, the children's. And they work with those leaders to ensure that things were taken care of. So delegating was a critical part in the only mm. way that we could get uh, those things done that we needed to do. And that, again, translated into the business and to, I learned this from, from my college days with student body presidency and some of the organizations that I work with, where I saw, got introduced to the idea of a one-on-one, um, where some of these leaders would meet with me. Um, and uh, when I was a part of some of these clubs and we had one-on-ones and I was like, this is cool. I got a chance to meet with folks and got a chance to, um, to you know, report and uh, be accountable and get guidance. Um, mm. And that that uh principle is one of the most important when it comes to leadership vision and then empowering others and then de- you know delegating to them um and that one-on-one idea uh, you can get a lot done um, when you do that properly this leads us to our next number here which is a book that's 130 pages that's our number, <laughs> 130 pages it's called the greatest salesman in the world by Og Mandino. OG Mandino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So have you, uh, I assume you've read that book. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's over here somewhere too. It's on uh, uh, on my bookshelf. If it's not in this one, it's at the office at my, at the company, in my, my business office. But anyways, Og Mandino. I'm trying to see if it's on this. Yeah. The Greatest Salesman in the World. Read that one. Great book. What'd you get from it? Um, and I think there's you a remember. I know, right? There's a there's different different there's definitely different parts in it. Um, but what I got is for me, the sales wasn't like um like I was looking for tactics when I first read the book, to be honest, because you know, it was mm-hmm. recommended to me by others. And I was like, okay, this is gonna give me some tactical things that I need to do to be successful as a salesperson. 
but it wasn't any of that. It was more like the principles here, right? This guy was able to ac accumulate great wealth, but he had some eternal principles that he was able to follow. And that's what he was able to pass down. And I think for anyone that's in sales, there are certain great principles that you need to make sure you master first. And that's not only going to help you as a sales profession, but just help you in life. Um, and it, it may, it, it behooves me to go back and pick up that book and do another round th run through. But that was given to me in high school um, or right after high school, actually, um, by a leader. And that was like an, a pivotal book. And another one that was pivotal as well was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um where it was my kind of like a second dad, um, one of my best friends, dad gave it to me. Um, and that was also like very um, influential in me um, going down the business path and to set goals that I want to accomplish. So anyways, but it's more the principles that I took from Augment, you know. It sounds like you've had some great people in your life to really mm -hmm. set examples, to help you down the right path, to give you some some different materials, right? That yeah. that helps to to pour into your life. And one of the pieces of material that that helps me through life, because sometimes you gotta unwind, you gotta relax, is the show called The Office. Do you watch the show? <laughs> you know it, man. It's you know, and I, I, I there's a meme my wife uh posted a uh, shared the other uh, shared with me that she saw. It's like, you know, office is people are the only ones that uh say it's not like did you watch the office is like do you watch the office because <laughs> it's like one of those shows you keep watching i think we do it every year we uh we go, we pick it back up and you know go back through it um but yeah i'm an office fan for sure <laughs> i wasn't at first okay i watched the british one the first time this. i saw it i saw Dwight Dwight. Dwight. <laughs> uh, i saw the first the first time we saw the british one and i was like um this is lame and I, uh, I can't get it. And then I was like, um, I didn't, I didn't like it. And then uh, some of my friends in college talk about office. I'm like, you guys are lame. Um, and then um, after college, I started watching it and I was like, hold on. This is hilarious. This is funny. Yes. 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 <laughs> I, I love that show. Yeah. So I think how I got into it was my wife would watch it. And I'd be doing something else. I think mm -hmm. this is when we had our apartment and I'd be in the living room, probably playing video games and she's in the bedroom watching it. And I would just hear pieces. I'm like, wait a second. That was, good. <laughs> that was, that was funny. And this happened with so many different things. This happened also with, um, it's a show where, uh, uh, like you don't meet your, uh, person that you're going to marry until the day that you marry him. Uh huh. I don't remember the name of the show, but I'm like hearing stuff. I'm like, wait, what is what is going on in the bedroom? I need to watch whatever this is. I need to check it out. So, yeah, she I was remember watching that the Office. Too. Oh man, I love I love the Office. It's always something that you mm -hmm. can go back to. So I brought that up because I want to know what salesperson do you think is the best one? And then I got another question that might be a oh, curveball for you. Who's the best salesperson there? Oh man! Oh man! You're, ooh, you're Take your time. Bad. Take your time. We can edit out. We can edit out <laughs> all the pause. <laughs> no, it's good. I think this is you got to keep it there because it shows my, my, you know, my deliberation because I go back and forth. I want to say Jim because I like Jim and I like his. Um, uh, I think I would say Jim. Dwight is an entertaining seller. Dwight is good at his job. Remember when they went to, um, uh, I, I guess in, in if I were to no, oof, man, you're you're going back here because Michael came out a couple times and did did his thing hey. with his old school Rolodex. You remember when he when he showed them up um, how to sell when, we to, um, when they went to Chili's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a you know there's some good stuff with that one. Um, so if I had to pick one, oh my goodness, best salesperson, um, I would, I would. Jim, Jim didn't apply himself as much as he until he was like you know getting ready to like go for with you know yeah leaving. And when he when he started to really do like sales, he was killing it. He was focused. Um, so I say Jim has. I'm final answer, Jim. I'm going Jim. I'm going Jim. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you saw I'm what he go did. With Michael. 
Michael, yeah, and Michael too. You know, but I, 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 and the reason why I say Jim, Jim has the Michael. Ha, Michael was to give you that those awkward moments sometimes. It's just like so. <laughs> if I had to, if in a real life situation, if there if I had to go with somebody, I would want to go with Jim to go and sell. Uh, Michael, the, that and, and there's a lot of you know there's some close you know runner ups, but I. I would probably say Jim in that case, but I see where you go with Mike um, too. With uh, so with by the time moment. we get to Michael, right? He's a manager. He's not really selling. No. But the few times where we see Michael sell, he absolutely kills it. Right, and they go to Chili's, and he's with Jan, and she's trying to like get to business. He's slow playing it, slow playing it. <laughs> Start singing with the guy, and they're eating and telling jokes and slow playing. Then you see by the end of the episode, into the evening, he just hooks them right in. It's perfect. And then the other example is when they started losing people, and so mm-hmm. I think he went out to like one of their biggest reps, and he was talking about his family. Right. He was asking about like one of his kids or something again, slow playing, slow playing. And then he hooks him right in at the end. So I'm like, hey, Michael is the best salesman on the staff because when he shows up to sell, like he just absolutely kills it. I mean, the easy answer, like for everyday episodes is obviously Jim, because when he turns it on and we see him turn it on a little more often, he applies himself. Jim is the best person in the office. But the person that applies himself every day is Dwight. He is just oh, hitting yes. the page. <laughs> <laughs> Dwight, dude. Dwight, he um and what I love about Dwight is that ambition. Go back to what we are talking about with mine, with that division. And Dwight had you know, has that. Um even though it necessarily doesn't necessarily you know always fall into the you know the right intention, um, but right. He, the, the or I guess the right execution, I'll probably say, but his intention is he wants to the company to do well. He wants to, you know, to take care of people. And um, he uh, he he knows what he wants. And he went out and would do that. And from the very get go, he wanted to be that regional manager. And it's always it's cool to see yep. how at the very end he eventually became the regional manager. And it was just like it was a natural byproduct. Right. It was supposed to happen. So. That's good. OK, last office thing. And then we'll yeah. go to our three what's because this was not planned at all. I just wanted to know, because if you watch the office and you were in, then this yeah. is an easy conversation. <laughs> so I think favorite is easy. I think a lot of people's favorite is kind of the same people. I will mm-hmm. ask you, who is the most underrated person Creed. on the office? Easily. Yeah. <laughs> that was a quick answer. <laughs> He's, I mean, like Creed, he's just like so like um <laughs> he's like got the one liners. He's like, what? What did he just... yeah, uh, he is so so like uh I don't know how to describe him. <laughs> I'm just thinking about some you. of these experiences that he's had in uh in the show, like get the one-liner, um, and just like his his behavior, the uh, yes. uh, mannerism that he has, and he doesn't get—he's not a main limelight person. But when they do uh, highlight him, say something, it's it's there's he gives a lot of flavor um, to it. So I, I see him like like um almost like um I don't want to say salt because if that's a strong gives a strong thing, but he gives like some like a, a good little it's like if this if that seasoning is missing you know like it's not quite like it's uh, like italian seasoning. yeah like it's not going to if it's not there it's not going to mess up the meal but when it's there you're like oh man this is good what is it and it's like that little that little oregano or that little bit of little um, extra that like yeah that basil they're like oh mm, that give it a little bit of oomph there like <laughs> Like that you push it, put into it, like, all right. And I think that's what he, you know, he brings. I mean, there's some other ones that, you know, you might think that are, that are, that are there that gives a little, that are underrated. But I, I think Creed is, it's doesn't, he can, it doesn't get talked, spoken of a lot. Um, and cause he's not a main role character. He's not even like a, 
you know, like a role like play. Just kind of, yeah, it's just like out there. Like Ryan is kind of like, you know, he is, he's pivotal. He's, a, he's not a main role, but he's also a, a you know, a, a good role player. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then you got like Daryl. Um, Daryl is, you know, his role is great um, in that. Um, uh, another one <laughs> you hate to love, hate but love, it's Angela. Um, but yeah, you know, Chris, it's just kind of like, yeah. Um, Miss Stanley is a, I call him like a role player too. <laughs> oh man, I love St- Stanley. Because yeah. well, I would say because uh, the way that I grew up, uh, <laughs> a lot of the stuff that he would say is like straight up. My grandmother would say that like uh, one of yeah. the funniest ones. When he uh, he said, "Have you lost your mind?" Because I have Michael. <laughs> I was like, uh, what's wrong with what he said? <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, short answer for me, because I think we've spent an adequate enough time on the office. Not too much time. There's never too much time. An adequate yeah. enough time on the office. Short answer for me is Kelly. 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 Because mm. you kind of see where she came from in the beginning to mm-hmm. where her character grew to. It's like, they was like, oh, wait. She's good. Like we yeah. need to give her more stuff. Yeah, and, and they did. And she, you know, she grew and she became this caricature, like kind of of herself mm-hmm. from where she was in the beginning. So Kelly's definitely my my answer, my my sleeper. Yeah, <sighs> the office. I love it. Okay, now to the last part of our interview. Our sure. three. What now? Of course, you can go as long or as short with these as you want to. Mm-hmm. Our first what? Inside or outside of your field, which is a bunch of different stuff. Choose one. <laughs> What's an opinion you have that would be considered unpopular? I think sometimes people feel in the industry that you know, yeah, the more knowledge you have, the more experience you have then the more likely that's going to tie back to your success. I think this applies in many different fields, but in sales, it doesn't necessarily, it's the case. You just have to know mm-hmm. how to solve people's problems and to know how to, um, you know, find problems. If you can do that pretty well, you're going to be, you're going to, in, you know, master the fundamentals, you're going to be successful. Um, another one is that cold call is, um, is critical. <laughs> And sometimes people will buy, they'll be against that. Like, oh no, you don't need a cold call. You need a, you know, there's inbound or a cold calling doesn't, you know, it's it's bad. You're interrupting people. Cold calling is critical to the sales success. Mm. So that would be unpopular with some folks. It's funny because I think if you do a good job cold calling, because I've taken cold calls and go, wait a second. Who are you? What is this? What is this again? Because <laughs> they just did a good job. Is maybe they were friendly. Uh, they go, hey, um, I don't know. I don't have a great example right now, but I know I've taken that call because of that person on the other not, line, not necessarily because of something I, I needed. Yeah, but yeah, I think uh, if you're good, then cold calling can be good. But if you suck at it, <laughs> it's gonna be bad. You can't really use it anyway. Okay, that's good. I like them. I like them. Okay. If you weren't in sales, what field would you be in? And I'm very interested to hear this answer based on our conversation that we've had. Yeah. I realistically, I, I probably would be a lawyer. Mm. I Because re- I, I, I would probably, I would go back to think like, you know, I need something that can really take care of the financial means for my family. Mm. And then I would justify it and say, you know, as a lawyer, I can still have some theatrical moments and perform. Um, And, uh, you know, in a, in a case. um, And, um, but if I said just to do acting, I know I would have, I would miss out on the idea of the, the, I would, I know that there's a lot of starving actors out there, right. Where you're, you're you're trying to make things happen um mm-hmm. and you're you're you, you know you you it's hard to take care of a family in that situation so that's i know i, I probably wouldn't have gone that route fully um but i would probably say act uh, is a lawyer and then if you ask me what the third one it would be actor so <laughs> but if if money wasn't an issue it would probably be acting 
if money wasn't an issue. Right. You could just pick like, okay, I'm going to be successful no matter what. You just get to pick one. I still may have, I still may lean to the legal side because I love the, that law. I I love that idea. It was fun. Um, It was exciting. Mm. It was, you know, that's entertaining. Um, The money would be good, but it's just, it was, it's not all about money. It was just like something I enjoyed in college. And I thought, I think that would be good. And I, uh, and you know, so I, I think there's a, there's some really close, like, you know, hairline, <laughs> um, you know, you know, distance between those two. But I would, I would say, law would win over acting in that vein. Okay, okay. And, and go back to this. If that wasn't the case, if it wasn't that, I would tell you that I would be in, I'd be acting right now. But I, I knew that. I, but I know that those things were uh, performance wasn't the greater thing it may be like say if you look at it and say like a 49 percent versus like a you know 51 percent and the 51 percent is like again business slash law um stuff i really have more of a bigger interest and desire for that got it very close though very close very close very close i was hoping you was gonna say actor (laughs) (laughs) it's very close very very close last what what advice would you give to someone in high school? So those same kids that I'm going to take my podcast back to tomorrow, literally, what advice would you give to those kids? The time you have on this rock is not long. Um, and you need to maximize the amount, maximize what you do during that time period. Um, you have maybe 84, 85 for uh, you know the winds behind your back going downhill, you maybe get a hundred uh, years. Um, in that time period, your golden years. What can you do to impact mankind and have an impact on the world around you? Um, somebody's going to do it. Why not you? Um, but just think: What are you doing during that time period? What can you do during that time period? Um, and how do you go about making that happen? Um, and, and I mean, just in whatever, you, when you figure out what that is, then go about making that happen. And don't procrastinate it to say, well, I'll do this in the future. Mm-hmm. Do it now. Um, yeah. And you just raise your level of thinking. Like the people that are going to be on Mars are not any different than you. They're going to be human beings as well. The people who are going to go to the edge of the solar system um, the person who does, is, is developing the cure for cancer, the person who is extending life to another, you know, 200 year, another hundred years, that's going to help us to live to uh, 200. Those people are all human beings and they're all going to do that or could do that. If that's the case, why not you and take advantage of that time you have right now and do it and don't pass it off. Um, you have a certain period of time to make, to, to, to achieve greatness go about doing it. And I hope that makes sense, but that's what my advice to them. That's good. Go achieve greatness. Go do it now, today. Don't wait. Yeah. Amen. I like it. I think that's a good place for us to end. I mean, what more could we have asked for? We have <laughs> the sales evangelist, I know C. Kelly. The last thing we have to do is we need to tell everybody where they can find you, socials, website, business, how can mm-hmm. they find you? How can they interact with you? You can go to the salesevangelist.com and you could find me there. And if you want to connect with me on social, any platform, you can find me at Donald C. Kelly. So I know most of you are probably on the gram, Donald C. Kelly, or on TikTok, Donald C. Kelly. And uh, for LinkedIn, uh, if you're on the business side, Donald C. Kelly, um, you can find me there um, as well. And, but the salesevangelist.com, if you want to learn about some of our training programs and to, if you have questions about our sales, um, you know, how this can help you to become a better professional seller um, or an entrepreneur that needs to sell, go ahead and hit us up. and would love to talk to you about any of our training programs for coaching. And go listen to the podcast, the sales yes. evangelist. <laughs> we didn't even Good get the chance to talk about all the podcasts, man. Yeah. If you go there, you're going to find that podcast there too. So, well, I'm I'm so glad I was able to have you on. 
And thank you. Obviously, man. it was an amazing episode. It was great. And uh, make sure you all, you know, like, subscribe, share, download, uh, and get this to somebody that you think would enjoy it. You know, share this thing out. Uh, the only way that this can continue to grow is because of you all, my wonderful listeners. Um, make sure you subscribe. You get extra content that way. And yeah, I think I think uh, I think we did it. I think we're good. <laughs> Woo! This is your host Tony Rambles signing off the Living Numbers Podcast for Donald C. Kelly, the sales evangelist. <laughs> I, think I got a little closer that time. <laughs> I will see you all in the next ramble. Okay, I think we're good. My man, thank you, sir. That was good. <laughs> <laughs>